0: The Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. Listen to what the Word says. It says, And I will pray, Jesus speaking here, and I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. Moving over to Acts chapter 2, just a book over. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. This is the recording in God's Word of the New Covenant Day of Pentecost. The Word of God says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let the church pray this morning before we're seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you right now, God, I pray, Let not my words fall from my lips as empty and void today, but let the very words that I speak be the very word of God himself. Lord, please anoint our ears to hear and anoint our hearts to receive what the spirit of the living God desires to speak into every one of our hearts and lives this day and let us forever be changed in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. You know what we do before you seated? Turn around, smile real big, wave at somebody and say, Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? And yes, indeed, it is. God bless you, and you may be seated this morning. We are, first of all, looking at the latter part of the Gospel of John. In the latter part of the Gospel of John, Jesus intensely focuses on preparing his disciples for his departure from the earth. It is in this part of John's Gospel that we are given some very powerful passages of Scripture. Now remember, Jesus is getting his disciples ready for his departure. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. Jesus is getting ready to eventually, after the resurrection from the dead, ascend into heaven to sit at the heavenly Father's right hand. Jesus is saying in John 14, 1 through 4, listen to the words, we know it. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, Jesus said, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there ye may be also. And where I go, you know, in the way, you know. But I want us to put ourselves for a moment today in the disciples' shoes. Here they are. Jesus had brought them to the city of Jerusalem. Now understand the disciples' anticipation, not that Jesus ever said this to them, but they believed in their own hearts that Jesus had brought them to Jerusalem to launch a military campaign, if you will, to overthrow the Roman government's oppressive rule over the people of Israel. They had been arguing among themselves for quite some time about who was going to sit at Jesus' right hand and who was going to sit at Jesus' left hand. In other words, who was going to hold what position where in the kingdom of God. However, all of those dreams that these disciples had been holding on to, all of those aspirations... Everything, now remember, these are people who had given up for all intents and purposes, They had given up everything to follow Jesus. Jesus was their rabbi. Jesus was their teacher. Jesus was someone that they grew not only to admire, not only to respect greatly because of the miracles and the demonstrations of power that Christ himself had performed right before their very eyes. But all of a sudden, all of those dreams would be blown out of the water because out of everything that Jesus was telling them in order to encourage them, all they heard Jesus speak was this, I'm leaving you. I'm going away from here. Jesus had told them, I'm going to have to die and I'm going to leave you. That was very contrary to what the disciples of Jesus wanted to hear. That's not what they wanted their Messiah to say. They wanted their Messiah to lead a revolution and overthrow the the diabolical reign of the Roman Empire. But Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. But all the disciples heard was Jesus saying, I'm leaving you. Now, have you ever felt abandoned by God before? You don't have to raise your hand to that, but I'll say, I've been there. And if I have to guess, I would guess that maybe, just maybe, you've been there yourself. That you've been at a place in your walk with the Lord. That you felt like you were doing everything right. Maybe you even felt like that you had done like these disciples, they had given up everything in order to follow the Lord. And then suddenly we find ourselves in a intense, desperate season in our lives and we just don't sense the nearness of God. I've been there. As a matter of fact, I've been there more than once in my walk of faith with the Lord. However, you know, I ask, I've asked the Lord many times, every time I've ever gone through that season, I've asked God, God, why? Why is it when I go through these intense seasons of life that, that sometimes you just feel like you're a 1,000 miles away? Sometimes it feels like the heavens have been shut up, the walls, the doors are closed, and like, they're like stoned and I, I can't even, I don't even feel like I can get a prayer through. Well, I prayed that one day going through a dark time and the Lord did speak to me. And this is what he said, he said, Todd, he said, when you're taking a test in school, he said, does the teacher give you the answers? And you know, and I thought back to when I was in school, and and I tried, believe me, I tried, but no matter how much I tried to convince my teacher to give me the answers to that test, her answer would always be, no, Todd, I can't tell you the answers. Come on, teacher. All I want is answers, question four through question 52. You know, (laughs) give me the answers. I don't understand this. What's the problem? You know, we have the same approach sometimes with God, do we not? Sometimes we have the same approach with the Lord. We're going through a trial from what the word of God teaches us is probably a test. And it's when we go through those tests of life that sometimes God, he doesn't step away from us, but he allows us to go through that time of testing Not that he doesn't know about us. The Lord knows us better than we know ourselves. But what he's doing is he is allowing us to discover some things about our own lives. To discover some things about our own hearts. And about our own selves that we previously did not know. You see, the Lord has to expose the problems in our lives before we're going to do anything about those issues in our lives. And God allows the storms of life, the tests of life, the trials of life, of life, the pain of life to serve as a spiritual mirror to us to look into and see those problems, those spiritual hang-ups, if you will, in our life that the Lord is wanting us to pay attention to in order to allow God to do something about. These disciples probably thought that Jesus had taken them to Jerusalem to do something very different than what Jesus was taking them to Jerusalem to do. They thought Jesus was taking them to Jerusalem to establish an earthly kingdom on this earth. But what Jesus was actually doing, he was taking them to Jerusalem in order for him to be crucified to a cross. Now, Jesus tells them that he was going to have to leave and die, but here Jesus reassures them. He's encouraging those disciples. He's telling them, He said in John 14, he said, you see, you don't understand, I've gotta go to the Father because if I don't go to God the Father, he's not going to be able to send the Comforter. He's not gonna be able to send the Counselor. Who is that? The Holy Spirit of God. Jesus said, if I don't go to the Father, He said he's not going to send the comforter and the counselor who is the Holy Spirit of God to you, to be with you, to enable you, to empower you. To do what? To carry on the works that Jesus had begun during his earthly ministry. There is a Greek, there are two Greek terms, and I, I don't normally do this, but I felt led to share these with you today. I'm going to share one at least, and that is the Greek term parakletos. Enter the English language it would be paraklete for what that's worth. The Greek word consists of this meaning. It may be translated beside of. This is describing the role or the purpose of the Holy Spirit of God. God sent His Spirit to His church in order to come along beside them. In other words, just as God the Father had sent God the Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth, Now Jesus was going to the Father that God the Father would send His Holy Spirit to this earth to continue the works of Christ Himself on this earth and in this world. John 14 and 18, Jesus again reassures His disciples before He went to the cross. He said, I will not leave you orphans. I'm not going to abandon you. Friend, it may feel like you're going through a season where the Lord has abandoned you, but be encouraged this morning. We serve a God who will never leave you nor forsake you. He is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And Jesus will never abandon his children. John 20 and 21, the Bible says, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. But what he was telling them was this, I'm not going to send you alone. He says, and when he had said this, he breathed on his disciples, and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. What this tells us, what we learn in studying God's word, that the Hebrew word for spirit and the Greek word for spirit, I I can't even pronounce the word, so I'm not even gonna share what those Hebrew and Greek words are, but what I can share with you is what they mean. They both mean in both the Hebrew and the Greek, it's translated breath, breath or wind. What the Word of God portrays is it is the oxygen of God, the life-giving power, breath, spirit of the living God. Today we celebrate Pentecost Sunday because that is when God gave the gift of the Holy Ghost to those who were gathered in the upper room as recorded in Acts chapter 2. Listen. Let me throw this in this morning before we go any further. Anytime God takes something away from us, it is only because he has something better he's wanting to give to us in its place. Anytime God is removing something from your life, it may be a thing, it might be a job, it might be a career choice, it might even be a person or it may even be a group of people. I want you to understand, God only takes away in order to give more. God only subtracts in order to add to. As a matter of fact, God only divides in order to multiply. And the more God takes away, the more in abundance God is going to give you in return. So when God takes us to a place where he is wanting to make some major changes in our lives by removing some things, maybe even some people from our life experience understand, it's only because God is preparing you for something so much greater, so much better, so much richer, You see, what what are you talking about that for? This is why Jesus was telling his disciples, he was saying, I've got to go away. I've got to leave you. I've I've got some things that I've got to take care of that's going to take me away from you. But Jesus said, don't worry. Jesus said, don't fret. Jesus said, don't be afraid. God the Father is going to send you the comforter, the counselor who is none other than the spirit of the living God. I said God will never take away from you anything that he will not give back to you in abundance according to his perfect will and his perfect desire in your life. This is what I'm saying. Never settle for good enough when the Lord desires to give you his very best. Oh, look at somebody this morning and tell them, don't settle. Tell some, Look at somebody else and tell them, don't settle. As a child of the living God, don't settle for second best, friend, when God wants to give you his very best. And I'm saying that to the church today because of this, this Pentecost Sunday. Understand, Pentecost Sunday is about God giving the church his very best when he breathed into the church the gift and the promise of the Holy Spirit and power of Almighty God. Somebody put your hands together this morning and give God a hand clap of praise. Jesus said to his disciples in John 14 and 12, he said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Jesus said that we will not only continue to do the works by the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, that we will not only do the works that Jesus did on the earth. What are some of the things that Jesus did? Jesus healed the sick. Jesus cleansed the leper. Jesus cast out unclean spirits. Jesus even raised the dead. You're saying, Pastor, that, that God has given the church power to do those things? Yes, absolutely. Church, hear me loud and clear we as a Pentecostal church not only believe in the power of healing, we not only believe in the power of deliverance, we not only believe in the power of cleansing, we actually allow God to practice it here, right here in our midst as the body of believers. Can somebody say praise the Lord? You say, well, pastor, that doesn't make me very comfortable. Well, God is not here to make us comfortable. Look, God, there's nowhere in the Bible, God says he gives us his peace. But from what I've experienced in God and what I study in God's word, God does not allow us to get comfortable, content maybe, but not comfortable. When God shows up, as we said last Sunday, when God shows up, friend, the mountains tremble. When God shows up, demons in hell quiver and shake in their boots. When God shows up in his manifested power, sickness is healed. Diseases are cleansed. Miracles are performed. And do you know what the greatest miracle of them all? Or, or is the greatest miracle of all is the miracle of salvation. The miracle of God's grace when a, a person who has been bound by the oppression and the drudgery of sin and sin's life is set free by the power of God's spirit and forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the greatest miracle of them all, Jesus is saving people every single day. It's my understanding, the latest statistic that I read, that there are over a million people every day worldwide who experience the grace of Jesus Christ and the life-changing power of his spirit. Please note that when Jesus said greater works, he was referring to quantity, not quality. That's important. He was referring to quantity. Quantity is a greater number. You see, Moses dreamed of the day. Moses longed for the day that God would place the anointing that God placed on him way back in Old Testament times. That God would pour out his spirit on all his people. Joel prophesied of that time saying, and I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. We live in that day today. In Acts chapter two, God began the move, the outpouring of his Holy Spirit upon his church in order to enable us, in order to anoint us, in order to equip us to do the works of Christ as believers on this earth. Pentecost Sunday is given to us to remind us that God has greater works for us to do as the church. We said last Sunday and college students are given the opportunity to audit college classes. When a person audits a class, that person receives the knowledge, the information, the book learning of that class but they don't have to participate in the assignments. They don't have to take the tests. They don't have to write the papers. They don't have to make the sacrifices and meet the demands that that class requires in order to receive the credit. That is what you do when you audit a class. But here's the difference, here's the catch. When you audit the class, When everything is said and done, you don't receive credit for the class. What so many Christians today are trying to do with God is is just getting by with the information. Oh, somebody help me here. We're wanting to just get by with the information of Jesus. But I want you to understand Jesus didn't just come to this earth to suffer the cross of Christ merely to forgive us, although he certainly has done that and is still doing that. But Jesus Christ did that to change us. And let us take that a step further. Jesus did that in order to empower us. I said empower us and endow his church with the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God to do greater works than even he did when he walked the face of the earth. Can somebody say amen? God doesn't want us to settle today for the mere information of Christianity. God wants to endow his church with the power and with the anointing of the Holy Ghost of God. Make no mistake, God has Pentecostal power. He has provided for you, and it is a gift from God that has been made available to the church of Jesus Christ to receive. Somebody give God praise in the house this morning. You say, well, why does that get you so excited, Pastor Todd? It gets me excited because it lets me know that I don't have to settle for the oppression. I don't have to settle for the drudgery that the devil wants to burden my life with. God has something better for me than that. Can somebody say amen? You don't have to settle for the oppression of sin, the oppression of the devil. Listen, God died to give his church Pentecostal power to live the life that God died and rose from the dead in order for us to live on this earth. Look, no, I'm not saying we're in heaven yet. No, we're not there yet. But I tell you what, God has made a way for us to get just a little taste of what heaven is gonna be like someday. And I tell you right now, I sense what heaven is gonna be like right here and right now in this place because I can sense the nearness of his presence. Do you know what's what's going to make heaven heaven? It's not the streets of gold, it's not the gates of pearls, it's not the walls of jasper, it's not all of those beautiful immaculate things that is going to be so glorious in heaven, but what's going to make heaven heaven is none other than the manifested glory of almighty God, that we, we step into God's glorious presence Every care, every sickness, every worry, everything that even resembles death is going to go away forever because the presence of God is about God's life-giving power. Pentecostal power serves to remind us as the church that so many of us are living beneath our privilege as a child of God. We're living in a state that a state, a state of weakness, if you will, when God promises us Pentecostal power. The information without the transformation, folks, is just not enough. God wants us to experience his transformational power in our lives. Today, in Genesis, we learn that God spoke all creation into existence. He said, let there be light, and guess what? Just like that, there was light. That's the power of God's Word. But we learn in Genesis chapter 2 where the Word of God tells us, it's almost a retelling of the creation experience. We get to Genesis 2 and 7. The Bible says, Then the Lord God breathed, there's that word again, breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. Who is he talking about? He breathed into the nostrils of Adam. He breathed into that clay that he had formed. How? With his own hand. Everything else, as far as we know, God spoke into existence, but when it came to Adam and Eve, the Bible insinuates that God used his own hand to form them into his very image. In Genesis two and seven says that God the creator, in so many words, bent down and placed his magnificent lips on the nostril of that figure of clay and he breathed his very spirit into that form. And man, the Bible says, the Bible says that he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. You see, while God spoke everything else into existence, God formed you and me with his own hand. When God spoke everything else into existence, God breathed his spirit life into that form in Adam became a living being. What am I saying? I'm saying that God has something more for you and me as his people. God has something greater for his church. God has something special for you and me to carry out in this final hour in which we are living in a higher calling that requires a greater anointing. And that greater anointing is the Pentecostal anointing of the Holy Ghost power of God. Why is it necessary, quite frankly, you're gonna have a hard time trying to save somebody else from drowning when you're doing all that you can do, keeping your head above water yourself. How many many hear this preacher this morning? You're gonna have a difficult time telling somebody about the joy of the Lord. When you got a gloom, despair, and agony on me, look on your face while you're telling them. You're not gonna be very persuasive, but friend, when you experience the Pentecostal power of the Holy Ghost in your heart and life, you don't have to worry about that because the joy of the Lord, will be your strength. The joy of the Lord will overflow from within you and there will be something about you that will be so charismatic and will be so attractive to the world. Do you understand that we as the church have what this lost and dying world is longing for? But it is my prayer that the whole world will be able to look at me, not see Todd, Not see my imperfections, not see my frailty or my weaknesses, but when this lost and dying world looks at this preacher, it is my prayer that they will see the holy anointing of God and see Jesus Christ himself living in and through my life. It is my prayer today that the whole world will see Jesus Christ in me and they will be convinced that there is a God in heaven. Sometimes people look at us, and I'll use myself here, sometimes I'm not always there. And sometimes this world may look at me and they may question, isn't he a preacher? I thought God was real. God forbid that ever happened, but it may happen from time to time. But I want you to understand, God has something better for us than that. God wants this world to look at us and see Jesus. God wants, us, God wants the world to look at us and see the image of Christ himself and be attracted to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pentecost is about Baptism. Not water baptism, but, but it is about a baptism of fire. Fire is energy. Fire is about power. Power. Fire is about power. If we did not have fire in our world today, friend, we would be a, a, a miserable place. We wouldn't have air conditioning in the hot summer. Aren't you thankful for the air conditioning we have in here this morning? This air conditioning will not be possible without fire. We will not be able to, wasn't it great to be able to get in a car and drive to church this morning instead of having to get up, putting on your sandals and walking about 20 or 30 miles in order to come to church? The reason we can do that is because of the existence of Fire. God has given the church the gift of Pentecost in order to give the church the fire and the power of the Holy Ghost in order to demonstrate to a lost and dying world that the God of heaven has something better for them. Pentecost of baptism is a baptism of power. Listen to what the Bible says in Acts chapter two and verse two. It says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. The first thing that God reveals about himself to a lost and dying world is his power. This world is looking for something more than just another philosophy. The world has plenty of philosophies. You know what I say, they look good on paper, but they were powerless to change a human heart. In my house, I have a toaster. In my house, I have a can opener. In my house, I have a microwave oven and a refrigerator. They're all different appliances, but they all work from the same power source. When I plug them in, guess what? The refrigerator refrigerates. The toaster toasts. When I plug them in, the refrigerator does what it's supposed to do. All of these appliances carry out their respective roles, but guess what? If they're not plugged into the power, what's going to happen? Absolutely nothing. So many times the world comes through our church services and you know what they experience? Womp, 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 womp. (laughs) Nothing. God forbid that be the case for International Community Church when the world steps into International Community Church, may they sense the power of the Holy Spirit surging in and through this place that they have never experienced before because that's what this lost and dying world needs. And that's what this lost and dying world is hungry for today. May they experience Pentecostal power at ICC but here's the catch. We gotta be plugged in to the power source. Who's the power source? Jesus. We gotta be plugged in to Jesus today. It's not by, not by might nor by power. What does it say? But by my spirit. What's the word? Spirit. One more time. Spirit saith the Lord of hosts, it is not about how strong I am personally, it's not how talented I am as a person, it's not how gifted I may be, and how wonderful or eloquent of a speaker that I am, but friend, it is all about the anointing of the Holy Ghost, because the anointing breaks the yoke of the oppressor. Oh, I believe you're feeling what I'm feeling right now. I said, the anointing breaks the yoke of sin's bondage. It is the anointing of the Holy Ghost that, that frees someone's enslaved by sin, frees them, and allows them to live in the freedom and the liberty of God's presence. I said, God wants His church to live and move and have their being in the atmosphere of his glory. God has an atmosphere for us to live in. You know what an atmosphere does? An atmosphere does what? An atmosphere protects us. That's what our earthly atmosphere does. It protects us from foreign substances that God wants to keep out you, did you hear that? That God wants to keep out of the earth. The atmosphere serves as a filter. It burns up foreign things that enters in that could bring destruction that could bring harm, that can bring damage to the earth. God put, uh, he, he enveloped us, he enclosed us in an atmosphere, a natural atmosphere to protect us from those things. Let me tell you something else that this earthly atmosphere does. It gives us opportunity to live. It provides us with this little thing called oxygen. Do you understand today church that God has provided a spiritual atmosphere for his people to live and dwell in today that serves at least a similar purpose for the children of God. It is an atmosphere of God's presence. It is an atmosphere of God's spirit that even when the world, the rest of the world, those who don't know who Jesus is are experiencing all kinds of chaos and all kinds of pandemonium, the children of God living in God's atmosphere will experience what? The peace of Almighty God. This is why when the whole world is falling apart, When the whole world feels like it is going crazy, let me tell you something, the world today has lost its mind. But I can shout anyway. I can rejoice anyway. I can clap my hands and praise my God anyway. You know why? Because I have learned what it means to dwell in the atmosphere of God's glory. I said, this is God's desire for you today to live and move and have your being, your very being in the atmosphere of his presence. There is a difference. Why is the Pentecostal outpouring? Why is it necessary? Because it gives us power. Power for us, first of all, because we can't save anybody else from drowning if we're drowning ourselves. It gives us power to live an overcoming life, but I'll tell you what else it does. It anoints us to share the reality of Jesus. Jesus. When we're in the presence of unbelievers, the atmosphere of God will, and you, you, you won't even be aware that it's happening. Do you understand that you preach a sermon every day of your life? When you're on your job, working, going about your business, you know, doing your thing, doing your job to the best of your ability, trying to do it unto the Lord, not just unto your boss, but unto the Lord God? who gave you that job in the first place? Do you understand that those around you who don't know who the Lord is, they notice something different about you? They see something peculiar about you. I didn't say weird, I said peculiar. There is a difference. You know, sometimes I wonder, they may look at us and say, hmm. But what we want them to do is look at us and say, wow. How do they do that? and I usually use my wife as an example here, and I didn't ask her permission to do this, I hope you don't throw a pot at me later when we're at home this afternoon. But I'll never forget, just, just watch her, Brother Don, please watch her, make sure she don't throw, but I remember, I remember we were living down in my home, down on the Gulf Coast, and she was working on a job, and I was working with my dad, And we had not had any work for quite some time. It had actually been a few weeks since we had had anything to do. And when you're in that type of work, when your dad owns his own business, if you don't work, you don't get paid. So we didn't have much resources coming in. But my wife's boss, who was not saved, noticed he knew what was going on, he knew what we were facing, he knew what we were dealing with, but he noticed something different about Missy, something different about her, even to the point that he came around eventually to her and said, how do you do that? She said, what what do you mean? She said, I know, he said, I know somewhat what you're going through. I know, you know, your your husband and, and his company, they haven't had a lot of work here lately, but you come in here every day and you have a smile on your face and you are happy. And I'm not saying she felt that way every day, but she was able to do that day in and day out. And he said, how do you do that? And Missy said, well, let me tell you how I can do that. It's called the presence of God living in my life. I'm not saying Pentecostal power makes all of our problems go away. I'm not saying Pentecostal power will protect us and not allow us to ever get sick again. I'm not saying Pentecostal power will keep death away from us when it's God's time for us to die. But I will say this as a living, breathing witness of God's grace is that even when you go through the storm, the storm may be dark, it may be intense, the winds may be blowing, but guess what? I'm living in the atmosphere of God's presence and I know that I know that I know that everything is going to be alright and I can shout anyway I can clap my hands anyway I can give God glory anyway because I already know how this story is going to end And when the storms of life pass me by and the winds cease and the rain stop, guess what? I'll still be standing on the rock, the solid foundation of none other than Jesus Christ himself. Because I have discovered what it means to live in the atmosphere of God's glory. Will you please stand with me today as we get ready to close? I want us to pray. Pastor Steve, if you'll come and play softly on the keyboard. Thank you so much. There's another Greek term that I want to share in closing. That Greek term is the word dunamis. Uh, Some of you may already be familiar with that. I'm not here to try to impress anybody with Greek terms, but the only reason I'm pointing them out is because what it means, the Greek term dunamis, is the term that is used in Scripture when referring to the power of Pentecost. Dunamis power. Do you know what some of the words that we get from the Greek term dunamis? A lot of our words in English come or trace their roots back to the Greek and the Latin. Yeah, I know you may not be interested in that. But some of the words that we get from this Greek term dunamis is words like dynamite. Words like dynamic. Words like dynamo. Those words are significant to us because they portray what God desires for his people. 2 Timothy 1 and 7, Paul reassures Timothy that the Lord had given him the dynamic ability to stand strong in the faith, delivering to the saints and to share the faith of Jesus Christ with others. The Holy Spirit endows us. He wants to endow us with his dunamis power. That is power that transcends All earthly power. Dunamis power is important because dunamis power transcends anything that Satan or the powers of darkness can even fathom. Dunamis power is important because it's a gift that God wants his people to have. Now, I'm not going to lay hands. We're not going to do that today because we're still... At this point, we're still a little too early in the pandemic. Praise the Lord, we're coming out of it. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Amen. That is worthy of a hand clap of praise, is it not? But as I turn this sanctuary into an altar, I want us to pray together. And Look, I want you to pray. I'd love it if you'd pray out loud. You don't have to pray out loud. You don't have to do that. But I want you to pray. And this is what I believe the Lord is wanting us to do today. If you've never experienced the power of Pentecost, as recorded in Acts chapter 2, the Bible teaches us that if you are as a blood-bought child of God, all you have to do is ask. It's a gift of God. God will give it to you. But if you have experienced the power of Pentecost in your life, but maybe it's been a while, you know what I mean? Maybe it's been a while since you have truly experienced the dynamic power, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit of God. This is what I would ask you to do. I'd ask you to pray, God, do it again. God, do it again. Lord, let the power of your spirit baptize me once again. If that's you, as we begin to pray, I want you to pray. If if you're willing to do it, I'd like for you to pray out loud. I don't know. I don't know why. It just makes me feel better, I guess. But pray out loud and say, God, baptize me with your glory. Let's pray, Heavenly Father, God, we come before you today right now in the name of Christ. And Lord, I believe that you have given us an opportunity to experience your Pentecostal power as a church and as a people today. Heavenly Father, let not Pentecost Sunday be just something that we read about in the history books of Christianity. But let Pentecostal power, God, be something that we have experienced and we do experience for ourselves in an ongoing way. Holy Spirit of God, I believe and I, I pray and I feel that there are some people here today that need to experience that power once again in their lives. And I feel that there's some people here under the sound of my voice who don't know what I'm talking about. They've never experienced the the true power of Pentecost before God. It is my prayer, it is our prayer right now in the name of Jesus. Lord God Almighty baptize this place with Pentecostal power today. Let the power of the Holy Ghost fall fresh on your church this morning. Let the God of heaven breathe his dunamis power into the lives of your people that we will no longer just barely get by, that we will no longer merely exist, that we will no longer just struggle to keep our head above water but we will live a life in the victorious anointing of the Holy Ghost and everywhere we go and everything we do, the whole world will see the power and the favor of Almighty God in and on and through our lives today. Let it be so today in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray these things. Can everybody begin to lift your hands toward heaven right now and begin to give God praise right where you are. Just go ahead and praise him this morning, church. Go ahead and worship him today right where you are. Lift up your voice and say, God, do it again. God, do it again in my life. Give me another taste of the Holy Ghost. Give me another experience of your Pentecostal power. Lord God, baptize us with your glory. Lord God, baptize us with your presence. Lord God, baptize us with your anointing today that we will live a life in the atmosphere of your glory I want to tell you something. When your marriage is in the atmosphere of God's glory, you will tell the difference. You will see a change. The dynamic of Pentecostal power. Lord God, let your presence sweep across this place right now. Oh Lord God, I pray that you do that right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Begin to speak to every heart. Begin to speak to every life. And as we lift up our voices in praise and in worship to you, that you, Holy Spirit, will begin to speak into us and speak through us your Shekinah glory, oh God. Envelop us today with your power. Envelop us today with your presence. Envelop us today with the power of God's Pentecost. In Jesus' name, let God's people sing and worship Go ahead and take it away right now. Sing it,
1: everybody. (laughs)
0: power of Almighty God, power to live, power, God, abundant power to live and experience the joy of Almighty God. Let the power of your presence live and reign in every person under the sound of my voice this morning. And don't let us leave here today the same same way we came here in the name of Jesus Christ. But give us your power from on high. And it's in the glorious, mighty name of Jesus we pray these things together. And everybody said, "Amen," and "Amen." Sing it one more time. Sing it, everybody. Put your hands together. And sing.
1: There is power.
0: right now, we thank you for your presence that you have allowed us to experience here this morning. Thank you for Pentecostal power that you have made available to the crucifixion of your son, Jesus Christ, and you stepped out of the tomb on Easter morning in order to give to your church. Breathe your power into us, on us, and through us. That from this day forward, we will live in the atmosphere of your glory. That we will leave here today changed in the name of Jesus. Let your word, oh God, serve as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path as we leave this place today, giving you all the glory, all the honor, And all the praise in Jesus' great name. And the church said, amen and amen. Can we give Jesus one more head clap for praise again? Before we leave this place, God bless you. We love you so much. You are dismissed. Take it away, guys.